Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I'm your host, Fergus, uh, and I'm joined by my good side mate, Mucker, um, as Gunnar Hilsey. Uh, and also, as our guest tonight, we've got all the way from Canada, we've got uh, in Vancouver, we've got Stan, the man, and uh, in deepest, darkest um, swampland, uh, we've got big Tony T. Tony, how are you doing? I'm all good, mate. All good. It's, uh, yeah, I must admit, it's uh, been a positive summer, optimistic summer, and that's continued all the way through to uh, the opening two games of the season, mate. Well, it was positive in optimism until I met you on uh, somewhat slightly tipsy on Saturday. I was a little bit tipsy on Saturday, wasn't I? I know, I know you were, uh, mate, wobbling like an Argos yeah. wardrobe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, to be honest, uh, my plans went earlier than I was meant to because I was meant to go via Hackney, but with the overground uh, out, I couldn't go that way. So I got to the pub earlier and it was half past 11, I was in the tolly. And then yeah, I'd done a bit of a up. pub crawl. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, you know, that's, that's it. Stan, welcome back. We haven't seen you for a few weeks. Well, it was last season when we saw you last. Have you had a good summer? I've had a fantastic uh, summer. Thank you to everyone uh, for inviting me back on Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I've had a fantastic summer. I've been working out through the, working through the summer. Had a lot of interesting projects on. And obviously then with the football came on, what a fantastic start to the season. So for me, so far, so good this summer. Brilliant. And Trev, back on the show again, uh, second week in running. Uh, couldn't make it down uh, for various reasons. Tubes, uh, train strike in particular, uh, type of scuppergy. Um, so you had to watch from afar. So it's going to be different a different view from you this time around, isn't it, Trev? Yeah, well, yeah, I reckon it will be, Fergus. We've always said that we see different games, haven't we? Um, I'm not going to be at any games until probably Man United away will be my first game of football I watch, and then probably Liverpool home will be my first home game. So I've got to get used to it for a few weeks, Fergus. But if we keep playing like we have been, it's not a difficult thing to do. Hello, Stan, by the way. Lovely to see you again, mate. It's been a while. And uh, thankfully, we can't see Tony, so that's all for the best, really. <laughs> yeah, it is true. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a little bit um, he's a little bit uh, in the dark, isn't he? Sorry, Fergus. Uh, Sorry, what did the armchair fan say? <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh. Ooh, it's oh. going to be like that, is it? It's going to be Stop like that. <laughs> Listen, um, we had them on in the summer. We had Jack from the Ashburton Army on in the summer. Uh, just want to give a bit of credit to them, and we'll talk about them a few times throughout the show. But that's them near the near the eaglet. Uh, they have grown in numbers. They've got the banners, and they're making a lot of noise uh, in in the North Bank. That uh, the first TIFO that they've done, famous Arsenal FC. They, they, you know, all the cups. Uh, it just looked fantastic. And um, just before I let you have a comment on this, um, just just look at how much they've grown in numbers. <laughs> They're just growing in numbers, Trev. You, there's another video clip I've seen, and there's people in the in the um, in the club section, and they're they're dancing and bouncing, waving their scarves and hats and shirts around. They're 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 doing a fantastic job, aren't they? They're doing an amazing job, but they're doing it in the clock end, Fergus, not in the North Bank, mate. Sorry, um, did I say? I, sorry, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. And they, you're right. You can see the club level bouncing a bit there. It's lovely to see, isn't it? It's. Uh, I think it's great. It's, we've missed it for years and years. There's been some efforts made, 
to create an atmosphere, but these boys have took it on and done it, and uh, I've got nothing but praise for them, Fergus. Nothing but praise for them, mate. And Stan, from afar, you're you're watching how they've grown over the last well since just pre-COVID, uh, and then they came back uh, last season. What's your interpretation, your impression of what you're seeing, and are you noticing the effect within the crowd from sitting at home and watching on TV? Well, certainly on social media, I see a lot of people tweeting who actually go to the games and they always make a comment now how, uh, you know, how, how much of a voice that the supporters seem to have. And it seemed that for quite some time, we had a reputation of what was the word they used to call the Emirates? A library. Well, yeah. hopefully now it looks like those boys are definitely going to be able to put that uh, moniker to rest. So it's good to see. Fantastic, I think. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Tony, uh, you're, you've been an advocate. Uh, I know you do a lot on Twitter uh, to try and support them and, and the boys. What's your thoughts on them? Um, I think they're great, mate. Um, I think they, they, they deserve a lot of credit for what they've done. They've helped transform um, the Emirates into a fairly decent atmosphere and it is getting, it is growing with every game that passes. Um, Saturday was the first time that really, I thought it was very, very contagious. Uh, and that was evident that people in the box, people in club level, all standing up, clapping. And there's almost that vibe, that real feel-good factor from top to bottom around the club at the moment. And they are helping massively to spread that atmosphere and get behind the team. Um, I think the boys deserve a think, lot of credit. Do you think where they moved them more forward uh, this season and then put them to the front rows and then they're pushing backwards, I think, do you think that's making a better effort and do you think that's having a bigger impact? Because they, they started creeping into the, the North Bank was singing along with it at one point and the acoustics in the stadium, as you know, are, are, are absolutely dreadful. What You can't hear the away fans until they've scored a goal or, or very rarely can you hear the away fans. But, do you think moving them there has made a difference? Uh, probably too early to tell. I think you need to give the whole the whole season a go just to really. But on the evidence of, of Saturday, I think you're certainly going to spread because, like you say, when they're at the back, it's very hard to push forward. But at the front, that sort of vibe and, and that feel-good factor is spreading. And like I say, it was it was very evident uh, evident on Saturday that more and more fans were getting involved. And they for certain games, it's going to be electric. Obviously, the lesser games, let's be honest, it isn't just Arsenal that's the suffer the atmosphere. But they, those boys there are certainly making an effort to to bring the atmosphere for every single game, regardless of who the opposition are. Yeah, it will be interesting to see when we've got, I don't know, like your, your equivalent of Burnley's or something like that on a wet Wednesday. Um, our wet Tuesday night. See, see if the, if it can have so much impact. Any effort has got to be done, and the guys the guys do seem committed to it. Uh, Trevor, let's look at the um the, the Leicester game, and if we look at the uh, the lineup for the Leicester game, with the lineup of Ramsdale and Goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel, and Zinchenko at the back, Party and Shaq in the centre, and then Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, and Jesus. Uh, what did you make of the lineup, Trev? Uh, happy with it? Um. Yeah, I was very happy with it. It's a Fergus, I just can't just can't move on very I know I'm going back, but very quickly, the point Tony made was very important in that it's not just Arsenal that are gonna have games where the um, where the atmosphere isn't so good. I've been to away games at Old Trafford, um at Liverpool, and the atmosphere there, the the quiet, the crowd's been quiet. It happens, it's, all these teams having these great atmospheres and it's the atmosphere is really loud at Tottenham, but they've got a cracking tannoy system, and I'll say no more about that. You know, but 
going back to the game, Fergus, I thought with the team we picked to play Leicester was the one one I expected to be picked. I expected us to beat Leicester before the game started. I thought we were looking really good. And once again, as the week before, we started the game. God, we looked different gravy, didn't we? The first 20 minutes, half an hour, I thought, oh, man, we're looking so good here. You know? I mean, our, our nemesis, uh, Mr Vardy, I didn't even know he was on the pitch. Didn't get a look in. So I was really pleased with the team selected and I was really pleased with the way we played the game particularly the first half hour, Fergus. Hmm. Stan, what did you make of, of the lineup and, and and how we started? We, obviously, we'll go into the goals in, in in a little bit more detail, but what, what did you make of the overall lineup and, and the start? Well, it's good to see us going into the second uh, game of continuity by picking the same team. Um, probably the strongest team which was available. I don't know whether it is, it's actually, it is our strongest team because a couple of absentees, I think, would still get back straight into the into this first team. But good to see the continuity and no real surprises. I'm glad that he went with exactly the same team that done so well in the previous match. Who would who would you say off that lineup, including the bench, who would you say you would be adding into it then for a stronger squad? I think the fullbacks, I think Tomiyasu and Tierney, in my opinion, I would have as our as our sort of number one starting fullbacks. Okay, and then where would you be playing Zinchenko? If that's the case, I don't know. Just, just. Well, Zinchenko could, uh, you know, he, he's on the bench. He could maybe come in and uh, take take Jacker's place if that's a, if, if if it warrants that. If performances would warrant that, but again, you know, sometimes you can't play everybody at the same time. So no. I don't have I don't have no you know no problem at all having strong strong um, uh, strong people on the bench as well waiting to come in if needed. Okay, uh, Tony. Um, if we look at the, like, you know, the, the first sort of half, in in the initial uh, the initial thing was, um, I think Shaka uh, hit the post um, early on, and then um, Shaka was involved again for Jesus uh, when he took this chip, and this is the still shot of it gone over, uh, and that's not the, the wrong one. This is this is um, this goal here. Uh, I've cut the sound out. So you can see the, the the flick back from Shaka to Jesus. It still falls behind him a little, um, but he's able to take the control of that ball, uh, bring it back, and then what a wonderful chip! Talk us through this, then, Tony. I think I think the team move was was great. Um, there was a lot of a lot of positive Saturday. There was a lot of movement. There was the energy that the and the pressing that Jesus brings is something that unfortunately Lacazette couldn't couldn't offer us um I always said from day one that when we was linked with him that the energy and pressing and the movement of Jesus was always going to improve us um just because without being disrespectful to Lacazette he couldn't do it um and also I think that the the forward the position that Shaq has now taken these last few months is actually improving the team and also improving him He's now playing in the role that he played for Switzerland. And all of a sudden, we're now yeah. seeing the performances consistently that he delivers for Switzerland. Um, and even the biggest of Shaka Cricks of turnaround going, hang on a minute, this is the player I thought we were signing a few years ago. It's taken a few years to get there. But over the last year, I don't think anyone can really question he's, the consistency he's been. He's been superb. And I'm really pleased for him now. He's actually getting a bit of praise, a bit of credit. Listen, I'm his biggest fan. I know he's not a well-beater. Um, but I also don't think he's anywhere near as bad as some some dig him at uh, and, and criticise him for. Um, mm. But the goal, the movement, I think he just supports Jesus, and I think we're going to see a lot of that this season. 
Trev, your thought your thoughts on that movement and Shaka's uh, in, involvement up to and before and during that goal? Yeah, I think that uh, I'm agreeing with him again, the big fella. I think that Xhaka possibly had his, uh, his maybe his best game for the Arsenal might be a bit strong, but he had the biggest input and effect on a game that I've seen him have for the Arsenal. Um, his mobility up and down the field was fantastic and he seemed to have a lot more confidence in the people he was playing with. Um, and it, it was strange, right? I laughed to myself because I'm, I've got him down as my man of the match. So take this comment in the way it's meant, right? And, and this is a sort of compliment in a way. I actually thought to myself, blimey, if Xhaka had another yard of pace, we'd have an absolute superstar on our hands. And I've never thought that before. I've always just watched him think, yeah, he's all right. He's average, you know, he's bringing himself around. But he actually looked a, a, a very, very good player on on, on Saturday, and um, oh, I hate it when you do that. I hate no, it when you show the goal again. Go on, carry on. Carry me on. off what I'm talking, man. Anyway, right, yeah, he, he looks <laughs> he looks different class on Saturday. I hope it continues. I worry that if Party gets injured, although I don't worry so much now because as Stan just said, if Party or Jacker get injured, Zinchenko can slot right in there. He's shown that he can do it at his other club and he can do that again. So, yeah, I was over the moon with Xhaka's performance. I thought he was all over. And and his goal, yeah, it was goalkeeper's... I know we're going to talk about it in a second. It was a goalkeeper's mistake. Um, but of all the forward, the forwards we had on the field and the, and the, the, the midfielders that should be playing further up, further up the field, it was Xhaka that was on hand to put it away, you know? So, yeah, I was, I was really happy with Xhaka. Really happy. Trev, just to ask you there, just to allude to what you said about Xhaka... Do you think that interview he done a few months ago, just after Christmas, is an absolute weight lifted off his shoulders by being brutally honest, speaking about himself, the fans? Because there's there's no two ways that the relationship between him and the fans has improved tenfold yeah. over the last few months. And I know as he plays better, fans will get off his back. But do you just think that common ground that fans have gone, do you know what, he's a human being, Shaq has gone, you know what, I was wrong to do what I'd done. And all of a sudden... I mean, that's an example of the where Arsenal are at right now as, as a club, both on and off the pitch. Everyone's in yeah. harmony, everyone's in sync. And, and he's yeah. obviously, he, he's playing with a smile on his face again. And those performances are now becoming more and more consistent. Yeah, I, I think you're right, mate. He hasn't, I don't think he's, he's not the fans' favourite at the moment. Although if he keeps going, he could well be. Um, he, he, um, he just he's, he's not got so much of the pressure on him because the fans have leave, left him alone a bit. And I honestly think that Arteta must have had, uh, and his backroom team, because we've seen what Arteta's backroom team can do now, right? So Arteta and his backroom team have, 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 must have been working with Xhaka and brought him round. And I think the turning point, Tony, was the away game at Leeds last season when Xhaka seemed to be playing the game for one reason, and that one reason was to get himself sent off the playing field. You know, and he didn't. He got away with it. And since that day, I don't know what's happened, but he seems to be on an upward spiral ever since. And I'm I'm going to give, I don't know if it's right or not, because, you know, we only guess and we, we, we think about things. I'm going to give the credit to Arteta and his backroom team. I think they've probably got him playing right, got his minds right, and uh, and he's lifted. And now the fans are going to start getting behind him a little bit. I, I can see it coming, and we're going to see a different player. Fingers crossed, hopefully. Stan, what's your thoughts uh, on that point that uh, Tony's made there about the the video uh, that that um, that Jacker made to talking to the fans? Has it changed your view on him? Well, I'm in an opposite camp. I've never been one of Granite Jacker's biggest fans. However, I will give credit where credit is due. 
I'm not, I'm not stubborn. Mm. That once I, you know, once I dislike a player or don't fancy him, that I just stick to it. I give credit where credit's due. And he has looked um, reborn in the last couple of games and even at the end of last season. I think, I mean, why is it taking so long for Jacker to suddenly get, get this rich vein of form? It's coming into his seventh season now. Up to, what, what's, what's changed for Xhaka is, up until this point, he's always been the first name on the, on the team sheet for that position. He's never had any composition, competition, but that's changed now. There's a Zinchenko can come in and, and uh, battle for that place. We've got Vieira waiting in the rings who could play in that place. Let's talk about Tielemans coming in who could also play in that place. So maybe subconsciously, Granite Xhaka has, has kind of fixed himself a little bit because now his name in the starting lineup, it's not so guaranteed. There is a competition and we can now play with more variety by changing the midfield around. So maybe that's got something to do with his up with his upturn. But I'm one of these that I try not to get too wedded to players. If we're looking at, if we use the word upgrade, I will look at that position and say, well, as good as Xhaka is playing, is it wrong of me to think that we should be able to still be able to upgrade in that position and look at it rather than, a unit rather than a person. What can this unit do? What can this unit not do? Is there anything out there that could replace this unit and have more productivity? I still think the answer is yes, but I am enjoying his output at the moment. And when he hit the post uh, so early on, I thought to myself, he's on it today. He might nick a goal today. Mm. And sure enough, he, he was back in there later on and, and he got a goal. So I really hope that continues. He's got yeah, a great I think, engine I think, for a big man. So yeah, I, listen, I'm, I'm he's got a great engine for a big man. I, I know the turn of pace and the acceleration is not there, but the rest of it's, you know, he's up and down, up and down. And one thing I could never, ever knock Shaka for, even for all his problems, he's always give 100% and tried, even if sometimes listen, it's not I'm, good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not as big as fan, but like Stan, I have seen the improvement. I also think that probably uh, getting party fit again for this season, which Dan... Uh, Gunning said in the having party alongside him and also pushing him further up the pitch uh, has seemed to work better because he's playing, as Tony said, in that Swiss role. He plays in a more attacking eight stroke 10 role. Uh, and I think that's that's better for him. Defensively, I think is, is uh, you know, he's, I don't think he's as strong as like as a, a holding mid. I don't think he's strong in that position. Listen, look, it, I, I don't think we've ever talked about him for as much and as long in such a positive vein. So it just <laughs> proves <laughs> Go on, how well. <laughs> I do <laughs> like no, his Swiss by the way, me. <laughs> yeah, we can see that. We can see that. <laughs> I'm not going to put a comment up on the screen, but uh, about... Uh, people still being on his back. If you're an Arsenal fan and you're on any of the players' backs this season, then you need to take a look at yourself, not the players, because they're all trying their hardest. And we've won two games. We've had a great pre-season. We're looking promising. So if we're Arsenal fans, we should be behind every single player that sets foot on that football field for the Arsenal. And and you have to remember, Steve F brings a comment in here, mentions Emery and so on. But he, Shaq has been there under under Wenger. He's been under uh, under uh, Emery, under Freddie, and under a very poor team to start off with. Arteta, Arteta has had the the the, the time he needs now to to ch change the team, and I I think that's probably bringing out the better in him because he's getting the better teams around him. Moving back onto the game, though, um, Jesus showed his pe predatory instincts to latch onto a defensive header. 
I'm going to show this one for you, Trevor, so you can uh, don't have to talk while I show this very short clip, <laughs> uh, so you can concentrate on the clip rather than oh, talking. But I'm going to come. It is shiny, yeah. And uh, and I'm going to ask you about this because we talked on the phone in in the week, uh, and you said what this reminded you of, and you, you had a quick chat with uh, Tony as well. Um, so here we go. It's ball yeah. in. It, it'll. You might not catch it unless you're really quick there, folks. But Vardy heading that on like that for Jesus at the far post, that like that, just reminded me of the bold Adams call. <laughs> yeah. Reminded me of the bold at the front post, <laughs> knocking it back for Adams, steaming at the rear post to score a goal. How many times did we do that? Probably more, not as many as I think we did. But it seemed to be a real regular occurrence, you know, um, and I just smiled. As soon as he went in, I smiled. I just thought, oh, Vardy, you've done a Stevie Bold. You've done a Stevie Bold and Jesus has done an Adams. Brilliant. I was so pleased to see it. it was, and as, I'm going I'm to say it again. I was so pleased about that Arsenal performance because Vardy has been a constant, constant form in the, uh, thorn in the Arsenal side over a good few years now. And that on that... Putting that, putting that back header for our goal was the biggest thing he did all day. Apart from that, we never saw him. So we need praise. We need lots of praise. We did see him when he dived. We'll talk oh, about yeah. that. We'll talk about that. Hold that thought, we, we, Yeah, we are going to talk about that and we're going to expand into just VAR in general when we get into that one. Um, Stan, what did you make of that? You would have seen reminiscences. When Trev talked to me, he said I mightn't remember it as much because I was slightly later coming to watching the Arsenal than than old man Trev. But you you probably watched it for younger when you were over here. I wasn't even in the country. And go on, I'll leave you your response. Joe, spot on. As soon as he said it, as soon as he said it, I I clocked it straight away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a goal. That was a, a move of ours that was we used to pull off so well. But the first goal, which I didn't really comment on, it really reminded me of Alexis. I'm sure that I've seen a goal scored by Alexis, which was almost identical to that goal. I think he was in the same part of the pitch when he scored it as well. But um, he does like that back post, Jesus. He seems to be very successful of popping up at that back post and tucking one away. And I think it was... Um, Maybe Big T has said it earlier, you know, having a striker that's so mobile now in the box who can get around to either post is fantastic and it's going to pay dividends for us this season. And having a player as well that can head the ball. He's not he's not bothered about getting in there and trying to tuck it away with, with his head. We've missed that for a while as well. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, if, what's the point in having Tierney or somebody who, uh, somebody who's putting all those crosses in over the years uh, when nobody's on the penalty spot and nobody's there? Um, do you think that's something, Stan? That, do you think that's something that's been worked on from, like, the set piece coach? Uh, the the goal against Palace was credited to the set piece coach. Um, do you think it, that, that I was think, worked on? I think we have to give a lot of credit to the set piece coach because I think last season didn't we only give away one corner? throughout the whole yes. of the season, have one goal scored against us from a corner. And we had a lot of corners last season. It wasn't like we only had a few. And that's quite was, a nice... It was either 250 or 150. It was, it was a lot of corners against us. Yeah. And that's a nice stat to have that we were able to deal with corners. And also, it's been a while since we've... since you know, Usually when we've got a corner or a free kick, that's the time when I usually nip up and put the kettle on or go for a quick wee or <laughs> empty, empty the litter box because nothing happens. Now, when we have a corner or, or a set piece of any kind, that's when I'm glued to the television because invariably now we can get something out of it. So, you know, you have to give kudos to this guy who's come in and, you know, who's managed to work, work us into being dangerous at set pieces. 
Trev? Yeah, I, it, it, Stan is so right. Arteta loves that coach, doesn't he? I don't even know his name is set piece coach. I should, but he gives him so much credit. You can see Arteta say to him, brilliant. You know they've worked on it just by the way that Arteta and that coach get together and, and, and compliment each other and congratulate each other. So, yeah, he's, he's been unbelievable without a doubt. And I don't know that for definite, but he has in my in my opinion. And uh, long may it continue. And, you know, Stan, you talk about, and, and Tony actually, Jesus scoring loads of goals, right? I'm telling you, the, the, if, the more goals Jesus scores early in this season, the more goals Martinelli, Saka, Smith Rowe, Odegaard score. Because as Jesus he gets his reputation up as a massive goal scorer for, an, for Arsenal, other teams will be looking at Jesus and our other players automatically get more space. It makes us a better team all around, having a goal-scoring centre-forward. And we missed it badly last season. I loved Lacazette, um, but we missed that goal-scorer like Jesus, who doesn't only score goals, but creates space for the rest of the team and, and makes us a better football club. Uh, Nicholas Yover is the uh, thank you Arsenal fans circle channel, uh, which uh, Stan is a, m- a member of that podcast. So thank you for putting that up there. An evening to you. Um, look, Jesus nearly got a third before half time, but Danny Ward, uh, who's replaced um, uh, oh, Schmeichel, um, <coughs> Danny Ward, he done he done Leicester proud, didn't he, Tony? I thought he I re- thought he had a really good game and kept him in the game. Um. Yeah, I think he had a, a decent first half. Um, I think from his point of view, although his team was, was 2-0 down at half-time, I think he was one of the few players that can go in at the half-time break with his head held high. Um, in terms of second-half performance, probably as a goalkeeper, he, he wasn't particularly great at fault for, um, obviously, the, the third goal, Shaka's goal, um, and then looked very suspect when the pressure was on him. So I think he had a game of two halves, um, me personally, I don't care um, what he done. Um, we won the game. We looked good. I thought the scoreline massively flattered Leicester. Massively flattered Leicester. Um, you know, there's, there's things for us to work on. But yeah, in terms of Danny Waldberg, I honestly couldn't give a monkeys. But yeah. I tell you what is uh, quite refreshing about the, the Leicester keeper is that they've now got a keeper that doesn't constantly run out of the penalty box with his arms wide. Shouting I at see the someone tweet that. <laughs> you don't. Michael used to do that all the time. <laughs> um, but you know, Jesus could have gone down in the box then, Stan, couldn't he? Um, but he stayed in his feet, and he was under pressure by uh, Johnny Evans. Uh, you know, he was that keen to try and and, and get that hat trick before half time and just wrap the game up. I was worried. I've been a little bit worried about uh, Zezu staying on his feet because there have been times sometimes where I felt that he seemed to go down easy. So I did enjoy seeing him rather than take the easy route, trying to struggle and, and battle through. But just speaking about Jesus, he really reminds me of two former Arsenal forwards that became legends for us in Dennis Bergkamp and Thierry on Thierry Henry. And how he reminds me of them is, is that when both of those players came to Arsenal, for me, always felt that the clubs that they'd been at before they came to Arsenal, coming to Arsenal allowed them to step out of the shadows. You know, the clubs that they'd been to before Arsenal, they they weren't, you know, like the main men there. They were kind of a little bit in the shadows. And I think that's a little bit of Gabriel Jesus stepping out of the shadows at Man City. Because I think for a long time, everybody thought that he would be the heir apparent 
to Sergio Aguero. And there was a time when some seasons ago, Sergio Aguero looked like he was on his way out, but then he had another uptick in form and managed to hang in there. And then when he goes, instead of, um, you know, naturally promoting Jesus, they go in and they spend a load of money on Haaland, which again is kind of keeping Jesus as always being that sort of second string guy and slotting in on, on the right wing where he can. But coming to Arsenal, I think for me, it's given him an opportunity to step out of the shadows. And I always had an impression that, I don't know why, I always thought that he was a quite introverted person from what I'd seen of him. But seeing him in the two games and having an opportunity to see him up close, and when I go for their water breaks and things, and you can see him taking charge of the conversation and being quite vocal with everybody and with the manager, it's actually really changed my opinion on him. I, as I said, I thought he was quite introverted and was a quiet chap, but you can see that that's not the case. So coming to Arsenal, I think, could really help take Gabriel Jesus onto the next level. And I'm hoping that it will be a tonic for him like it was for Burkamp and Henri when they came to Arsenal. Stan, what you just said there, Jesus, his mum's apparently done an interview or said that it's the happiest she's she's seen him in a very long while. It's like she's got the old Jesus back. And if you watch uh, Jesus' interview on Saturday, he mentions it. He said, I was an unhappy at City. But obviously, he touched upon him being, you know, never really guaranteed to play, you know, a bit of a, a squad player. He's come here. And like you say, it's the lift that he's needed. He's playing with a smile on his face. He's not come, someone who's won four or five Premier Leagues, whatever it is, he's not come with any arrogance. He's turned up. Getting him in early was, was vital, but he's turned up. He, he, he's got that, like, I'm going to put just as much hard work in as anyone else. I'm not coming here thinking I'm arrogant because I'm a winner. I want to take this club forward. I want to be the main man. And I love that attitude and commitment from him already. He's settled in. I mean, obviously, it helps having fellow Brazilians there. Yeah. He just, he's turned up and there's no light airs and graces on him. He just he works hard. There's no arrogance. You know, he's committed. He's going to give you 100%. And he knows that he wants to take Arsenal to the next level. Mm. Yeah. You know, I I agree. And there's a good comment on his short, short leadership from day one on the pitch. And I, I noticed that when he came on at Nuremberg, the players lifted their game. Uh, and it looked like players who were playing... At 100% in the first half, all of a sudden found an extra 10, 15, 20% from somewhere. And Martinelli and Saka and every one of them had, had done them well. And Arsenal are giving them a platform. And that's what you just said, Tony, making him the main man. And it's made a big, uh, you know, I, I think it makes a big difference to him and his ego. We all have a little bit of an ego, you know, even even you, Tony, honest. So, <laughs> um, Mine's listen, not we got in- mate, trust me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, going into uh, the second half, and it's probably talked about uh, two, since we talked about the Leicester keeper, let's talk about the Arsenal keeper. So Saliba, um, who has uh, hit the ground very much running, um, was unfortunate enough, he, he, he dealt with a ball that was going to be dealt with by Vardy if he didn't get his head to it, got his angle slightly wrong, and he headed into an own goal. Trev, should Aaron Ramsdale have saved that? Uh, I'm going to say no, Fergus. Do you know why I'm going to say no? Because I can't talk bad about Aaron Ramsdale. I think that, I think in the long term, possibly scoring that own goal, do Saliba no harm at all. If he's going to score an own goal in a game, do it in that game that we're going to win comfortably. Um, Ramsdale, he didn't have the best of games. He should have stopped their second goal. We all know that. 99 times out of 100, he saves it but show me a goalkeeper that we rate highly that hasn't done something like that because they've all done something like that. It happens. It's goalkeeping. Um, I'm not going to get on his back. I'm not even going to get involved in a conversation of discussing his performance too far, Fergus, mate. 
Um, he's, he's been a, he's been a, a shining light at our club. He's lifted our side. He's made a mistake on Sunday uh, on Saturday, excuse me. And I'm moving on from that. I'm not dwelling on that. He's still my number one. Stan, your thoughts? Uh, listen, I don't disagree with what you say in in a sense. Uh, I don't like knocking any of our players, but I'm just what I'm. We could easily go in hard on 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 Saliba by saying, you know, he's been in two games in the Premier League. He just scored an own goal. People could whatever agenda you want to go, but just trying to be a bit objective and looking at it. As, Only you know, stupid people would go in hard on Saliba or Ramsdale after two games. Only stupid people. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking for opinions. That's the idea of this, to have a discussion. I didn't call you stupid, though, did I? No, you didn't have to. Stan? <laughs> well, personally, I think Saliba's rubbish and he should go back out and learn. So, no, of course not. It's a Rolls-Royce. A Rolls-Royce. I think reading that situation for me, I think it was a case of when that ball came in, Saliba put enough power on the ball and craned his neck because he wanted to maybe nod that ball back to Ramsdale, who was on his line. But what happened there was, as just as he done that, Ramsdale moved forward, and it looked like for me that the, him and the ball then went past each other. Just what? So basically, just a bit of miscommunication. And the best thing yeah. to come out of that mistake was, was what happened the, the, the second after the ball hit the back of the net. Ramsdale wasn't standing there with his arms wide open, looking at Saliba, going, "You didn't, you didn't call," when Saliba wasn't standing there shouting at him, going, "But it was your ball." What happened? Ramsdale just gave him a really nice little tap on the back of the head or the shoulder and was like, go on, boy, off you go, back into the game. And the crowd, and and the crowd as well. The crowd got behind Ramsdale and Saliba as well and said, right, come on. And, and it reminded me of what Mikel Arteta said in one of the episodes on All or Nothing when he said, you know, when a player makes a mistake, it's up to the rest of us to lift them. And what happened? Within a few seconds, we scored another goal. Mm. So they've obviously taken that on board. And it was the reaction that I really liked, seeing a player score an own goal and the reaction from the keeper of not sort of like trying to shift the blame, but let's just dig in and get back into the game. So that was a good good thing to come out of it, if, if, if that makes any sense. And T, that was, uh, that was Shaka's goal, uh, assisted by Jesus. Um, since you're the Shaka fanboy, do you want to talk us through that goal? Yeah, I mean, the, the cross come in, keeper spilled it, Jesus knocked you back and Shaka tapped it in. Get me on match of the day. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it was great. Obviously, the position Shaka took, I think that just highlights as well that the, the role he's playing at the moment for us is, is obviously, we're getting the best out of him. It's improving Arsenal and everyone's happy. I just want to go back to what Stan said there with the, the Saliba own goal. The, the, as soon as the own goal goes in and like he says with Ramsdale and Saliba and the team, and then the fans getting behind the team. It's just another example, highlights what, what Arsenal is at the moment. There's a real togetherness, both on and off the pitch. And I thought it was great to see. And what was great um, uh, Saturday that I really took was the, the reaction for both goals. Was it one minute and something seconds for the third goal and one minute something seconds for the fourth goal? So the reaction's there. And maybe us fans, rather than getting on each other's backs and, and moaning at the players, the players are lifted by us fans. And all of a sudden, that, that, that's creating just a, a real positive atmosphere, both on and off the pitch. Um, so it was great to see the reaction from the players. Yeah, the, the stats said two minutes for the first and one minute for the second. Um, Trev, you wanted we, we've got to talk about... The, should we hold a penalty claim till the end? Um, Martinelli's goal, and then we can we can uh, talk about the penalty, because we want to go into, expand into it slightly differently. What do you, do you know reckon, what, Trev? It would be good to hold that, because we need to talk about the... Um... The, the hair pulling incident. 
Yeah. It'd be good to hold that and talk about that as one subject because it was the same third official, wasn't it? So VAR um, official, yeah. Yeah. Be yeah. the same. Be interested to talk about all that in one go. The hair pulling, are you the best man to talk about that subject? Or <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he was about <laughs> I was before I got Thanks. nagged by the missus relentlessly for having long I love having long hair, me. Love it, but um, Martinelli, Martinelli was excellent throughout the game. Um, many people put Martinelli down as the man of the match. I know um, Trev had uh, possibly Shaka in, in there as a man of a match. Me, I gave it to Jesus because he scored the two goals and gave two two assists. Uh, but Martinelli was outstanding. Trev, what did you make of Martinelli's performance and the goal? Yeah, he's, he's he, he seems to be absolutely buzzing at the moment, doesn't he? He's a live wire. Every time he gets the ball, every time he gets the ball, you think something's going to happen, you know? And we've had too many players at our club over the last few years that either weren't capable of doing that, weren't good enough, or could do it, but weren't really bothered about doing it for the Arsenal. That is, it's a breath of fresh air, Martinelli. When he puts his head down and he sets off with that ball, you just think something's going to happen, didn't you? Mm-hmm. He's improving week in, week out. People wondered why we weren't playing him so often last season, but I believe he was carrying some injuries. And this season is just, it takes my breath away, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm so, how old is he now, lads? He's still young, isn't 21, he? 2021. 20, the best is yet to come and look at what we've got. Um, Stan, if you want to add on Martinelli, but I'd like to also talk about two other players mm-hmm. that, I didn't really notice that much on the pitch, but when, but probably that's because they were so good and just doing stuff really intricately di- differently. Um, one is Martin Odegaard, but the one I noticed the least was Saka. But Saka was just out in the wing providing, and and when I look back at some of the highlights, you can see how much he was doing on the pitch. What did you make of of Saka, Odegaard, and Martinelli's performance then? Well, for me with Martinelli, especially last season, he'd be out there on the left-hand side with maybe three of the opposition players standing in front of him. And he's standing there trying to do all of his trickery to wriggle out. But nobody would come over to provide an outlet for him. It was almost like all of our players would be standing around the, the penalty box watching Martinelli and waiting for, for, waiting for it to happen. Now... He seems to have outlets around him so that he can do one-twos, wriggle out, give and goes, and he's wriggled out and they pass him back the ball and he can get towards the goal and cause damage. So now that I'm seeing this, I think that this could be a really big season for Martinelli. And I'm so glad that we're keeping him on the left-hand side and not through the middle because you're beginning to see how much of a danger of what he can cause out there on the left-hand side. Um, what is it that the guy said in the All or Nothing when, when he was talking to, uh, I think it was Edu? about Martinelli, one of the coaches, he goes, I love that boy. I love that kid. He goes, he trains every day like it's his last day. Yeah. I love him. I love him. So, I mean, that just shows you what people think of him in and around the club as well. He's got a good knack as well of getting the ball and then turning around from the player that's trying to tackle him so that his back is now to the goal where he needs to go to, taking a few steps and then turning on a, on a sixpence and then just running off and leaving leaving the opposition behind him. He's got a very good skill in doing that, two steps, turning and going back into the direction where he needs to go to. For Saka, I felt last season that we were trying to rely on him too much, whereby the goalkeeper yeah. would kick the ball out to that right-hand side and force him into trying to do things. So even if you want to go and have what some people said on social media, that Saka didn't really do much in the Leicester game, another take could be, 
we're in a place now where if one of our stars has a, a quiet day, we've still got enough talent in the team to carry the slack now. If Martinelli mm. has an off day, we've still got people in the team to carry the slack. If Odegaard has an off day, that's where we are now. We're not one-dimensional as we were. We're not so one-dimensional. So we've got more variety. Saka, he, he was a little bit quiet for me, but he's still done all of the things that he needed to do. He's not going to get an assist and a goal in every single game, but he can still do things to help uh, bring the team along. Odegaard, for me, is... I love I love Martin Odegaard. Really think that he's going to be something really big for us. And I was surprised to see a lot of people on social media saying that he had a shit game. I thought that he was doing some nice things uh, in his role and keeping the movement going. So, you know, for, for, for all of them, I thought they had quite a good game. Saka was a little bit quiet. But Martinelli and uh, Gabriel now, when I talk about them as one, I just refer to them now as 9 I saw a nice picture of them standing on the pitch next to each other with their backs. And I was just like, ain't that the emergency number? So uh, they're just 911 now for me when I talk about them as a collective. <laughs> um, Trev, anything to add on on Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli? Yeah, just Stan's point on, on playing Martinelli through the middle. You're exactly right, Stan. He, he, he's found his best position out there that we can see. But what happened last season, mate, was, was that we didn't have anybody do, doing the business in the middle, did we? No. So, in fact, me included, were rightfully thinking, who could we get to play in the middle? I, I'd have happily given Martinelli a few games playing through the middle last season. I was but, in that camp as well, Trev. But now, you're right, it's different this season. We've got a centre-forward that's playing proper football. Well, that sounds horrible to Lacazette. We've got a centre-forward that's going to score goals and moving well. Yeah. And, and so, so, Martinelli can stay out there. And I'll tell you what needs a mention while we're at it, Fergus. I don't know if you saw it at the game live, but when Jesus had the chance for his uh, for his hat-trick and he, he had the ball and he turned Johnny Evans, uh, uh, he turned Johnny Evans and left him sitting on the floor. It was so funny. He was so good and so unlucky that the goalkeeper made a, a thoroughly decent save to stop him getting his hat-trick. But he's exciting. It's all exciting, isn't it? You know, we're not, you're right what you said. We've not mentioned much about Odegaard. But I don't care if I don't see much of Odegaard during the game because I know he's doing his job. I know he's not going to let us down. He gets around that pitch and he gets his foot in where it's needed. So, yeah, I, I keep saying well, it tonight. Per, I'm excited. Perfect example with Odegaard. A perfect example with Odegaard is if you look back at the Palace game, people uh, criticise him for taking that one too many passes inside the box. But what they didn't realise is all the other stuff that he'd done so positive throughout the game. And people just seem to concentrate, especially on Twitter sphere, seem to concentrate on, you know, the, the, the two opportunities he didn't take. But the amount of opportunities he did create and the amount, amount of opportunities he creates for the likes of Martinelli or the, um, and um, Jesus, uh, with the help of Zinchenko as well, with his distribution. I think uh, I think it was a Heath or somebody in the, in the chat came along and said the addition of the two City players has just really transformed... Um, uh, transformed what was a good side, added that bit of maturity to the side of young talent. And what we've seen from the documentary as well is talent that wants to be there. Talent, mm. you know, if, if you don't want to be there, that's fine. You don't have to be. We'll mm. get somebody else in. And I, I'd, I'd rather have a smaller squad and a squad that wants to play, you know, every game than, than having... A squad of twenty-five or oh, thirty-five players, and you know everyone's sitting on the laurels counting their money. Um, 
Jesus. There was a new song for Jesus just before we uh, go on to the other thing. I like that. I so much like that. Ben Bennett is... I still think there's a well, Jesus song out there which should be uh, sung to the melody of the Beatles' Hey Jude. But start off with Hey Zeus. And then I don't know the rest of it. Don't make me sad or whatever. I don't know. Leave someone else to finish it. But I just thought that would be the song. Uh, yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying, but that's a bit Hey Jude as well, isn't it? Which was the Giroud song. So oh, was it? Might... Okay. Yeah, and then and then you had other okay. people churning out the the Ozil song, um, which I just don't Get like. Get in the bin. Song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, Jesus. His best league return for City was 14 goals in 1920 season. Tony, can you see him scoring more now? He's forced, well, not forced, but he's he's like the the, the main man in our strike force. Uh, can you can you see him getting more than 20 goals in a season? Um, when we first signed him, I said you know 15 to 18 goals would be a great return. Uh, if he scores plus 20, then then superb. But I think he won't just bring the goals to the team. We've already seen it in pre-season. We've already seen it in the first two games. There's an infectiousness there. There's something else he's going to bring to this team. And we was all criticising our strikers last season for not scoring enough goals. If if you say Jesus is going to get you 15, 16 league goals this season, and Ketty gets you 8 to 12 league goals, all of a sudden your Martinelli, your Smith Rose and your Sackers, they get you 8 to 12 league goals. Odegaard chips him a few, Shaka's chips him a few. All of a sudden, you're not worried about a striker scoring 20-plus goals. When was the last time City had a player to score 20-plus goals? Aguero, what, five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was? But they, mm-hmm. their, their goals are spread. You know, teams, because of the way teams play now and the modern football, you don't often get a striker just smashing the goals in for fun on their own. It's more, uh, it's more spread, more collective. So if we've got a team now that's scoring, you know, five, six players scoring between... Eight and sixteen goals each. You're not going to you're not going to worry about just one person. Don't get me wrong. If Jesus gets you twenty goals, it's going to improve us and it's going to make us higher in the league. But I think collectively, you know, Martinelli just you know touching upon what you were talking about, Martinelli, the physicality, he, 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 the back. We were starting to see it towards the back end of last season. He looked physically strong. I mean, watching some of them, um, I think it was Safana and that shoulder barging him Saturday, and he's standing up to the test. You know, at Palace, he was standing up to the test. I mean, look, things may be different. If we had rushed him back, like a lot of folks said last season, rather than nurturing him back into the team after a long-term injury, maybe he wouldn't have been playing this season because he weren't fit. But we nurtured him back in, and I think the club, the staff, Arteta have all got to you know, be given credit for that because we've seen too many times with your Wilshires, your Ramseys, by rushing them back long-term, it has a, you know, a negative effect on both them as an individual and the team. We're now mm. seeing Martinelli, who look, I don't think he's anywhere near his prime yet, but all of a sudden, we're seeing this boy who looks physically strong. He's adapted to the league now. Him, along with all the youngsters, what they experienced last season, is only going to stand them in good stead and the club in good stead. It's just, it's just, yeah, so many positives, mate, at the moment. And, yeah, it's uh, look forward with a smile on our faces. Trevor, um, we didn't talk about this in the game. It's the um, Vardy dive against Ramsdale. 
you can see what's happened there. So Ramsdale is um, Ramsdale is jumping towards Vardy, pulls out of it, and then Vardy goes down like a sack of proverbial. Um, you wanted to talk about that. Uh, England, the referee, gave a penalty. Um, but the VAR ref, Mike Dean, who we never had a really good track record, overturned that decision and cancelled out the penalty. Uh, but you want to talk that junction with um, VAR and the opportunity to compromise the game uh, with this incident which happened in Stamford Bridge, uh, that that's very same VAR referee with the match official himself within yards of it um, didn't spot. The floor's yeah. open to you. Fergie, it's, it's, it's a funny old game, isn't it? And, and I must say that I'm not making any accusations here. I'm just saying this how I see it for the benefit of the uh, recording. Um, Mike Dean helped us out on Saturday. The referee gave a penalty that clearly wasn't a penalty. It was clear to see on the replay. You could, oh, you could, you could see a bit why England would give the penalty because Ramsdale's rushing out. Vardy's chucked himself at him and gone down. In a in a in quickness, you know, full speed. Yeah, you can you can see a penalty. When you look back at it, you saw how awful, how awful that was. And and Mike Dean stepped in, did a great job, looked at it, said, "Referee, that's not a penalty. Get it done with." Right. The following day, the same Mike Dean is the third official, and he doesn't see. The hair pull that nearly removes a bloke's head. Now, Tottenham fans are going to say I'm on their back here. And yeah, I'm often on Tottenham fans' back. But in this case, take all the teams out of it. Mike Dean sees. Mike Dean sees that. I even read, I don't know if it's a quote from the from the FA or the PGMOL, but it actually said on, on the news, there isn't a rule that covers that. Well, there's serious foul play. You know, there's... there's Violent conduct. Play. You know, Violent violent conduct, that's what I thought, yeah. Just before you two boys come in, because I I, I just can't believe what I'm seeing. We talked about consistency, right? Now, if Mike Dean didn't see that that hair pull, or if Mike Dean deemed that not a rule not to cover that, then we've got a serious issue in the game because he did see it. We know he saw it. We know that there's a rule that would cover it. So why else would he not give it? We used to say consistency, right? Now we suspect something else. And as fans, you can't blame us for, for, for suspecting something else is going on. Because how on earth does that happen? It's the worst one I've ever seen, boys. It's the worst one I've ever seen. It's got my back up. It really has. You were saying, Tony, we, we, sorry, just we to saw, say when we saw it live. Go on. I was just going to say, when we saw it live from where we are in the North Bank and the angle that we've got, um, I thought it was a penalty live. So I can understand why the referee gave it. But I'll carry on from there. Yeah, no, no. I was just going to... Firstly, obviously, I don't think Mike Dean's done a, uh, done us a favour. He's done his job. Uh, that's what he's there for. Uh, I mean, Jamie Vardy went down quicker than his wife in a court case. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in, in terms of, obviously, the, the Cucurella and, and the Romero incident... I think it was Dermot Gallagher and, um, you know, the old Sky Sports thing they do on a Monday morning. They had actually see it, but because it's not an official rule, they weren't able to give it, which for me, it's just baffling. Because, like, like the, how can they, just because there's not an actual rule in in the Premier League rules, pulling someone's hair in that manner. I mean, I personally don't think it's a red card. I don't think it's as bad as some people have made out. But it's a clear foul. I just... 
they've seen it, they've looked at it, but because it's not an official rule in in the Premier League handbook rule book, whatever it is, they can't give it. It just it's baffling. It's just baffling, and that's a, that's a rule and things like that. Well, it's sure, stuff sure, that needs sure, to be looked at. Surely, with the emergence of women, more women's football, a lot of more women are, are have got longer hair. There's also a lot of blokes with long hair. Yeah, I know, but if, in football, I'm talking about if you look at women's football, there's not an awful lot more with longer hair. Surely that rule should be considered somewhere along the line. Ferg, you just before so, Stan but... comes in, right, I just want to chuck something else into the equation that, that we just spoke about. be interesting to get Stan's view as well. Them saying that there's not a rule to cover air pulling tone, you've heard that as well, have you, mate? Yeah, that was the Dermot Gallagher thing on that yeah, Sky yeah. Sports day so, on a Monday. It's not in the book. And now set a precedent that says this weekend... Footballers can go out and rip someone's scalp off, and there's no rule that's going to stop them doing it because that's what they're apparently saying. I know I'm going to extremes there, but it, it, it's serious stuff. This, you know, serious stuff. You'd expect them to now look at that rule and and, and, and make the change. I think, like as Ferg's, I think is right. Now there's obviously women's football's growing. That's obviously the rules have got to be the same applied both for the men and women's game. So I think because of the amount that's been highlighted, I think it's a rule that will get changed, whether it will come into effect this weekend, I don't know, but you'd certainly think by, you know, the turn of the year that that that, that, that will, will be in place somewhere. Stan, your, your view in it? So the Vardy thing, first of all, for me is if you're in a situation where there's a penalty and then it's looked at VAR and you clearly see that it's not a penalty and it's a dive, there should be some a mechanism in place then where the, the, the player that dive gets booked for simulation. But apparently, you can't do that with when it's a VAR shout. You can only check to see if it's a penalty. You can't book the player for diving. I think that needs to be changed. Because if it's clear for everybody to see, and then you rule out the penalty, and you see that you can get a bus in between the player and the, and, and the keeper, then that's simulation. Therefore, for me, that then should also be a booking. And you probably see a lot of players will think twice about doing it. As for the hair pulling, for me, this that should be... That should be one where if it's been missed in the match, and obviously it wasn't, but if it has been matched and it's everyone's showing it on TV later, that should be a case for retrospective action for violent conduct. I mean, you know, Big T just said there that, you know, by the, by the end of the season and that there'll probably be something in place to get that out. But if you if you go all the way back to when Louis van Gaal was manager at Man United, didn't something similar happen to Maron Fellaini? Got his head pulled by who was it? He pulled it. Was it Robert Huth? I think who might have done the hair pulling, and he got he got like a didn't he get three or four match banned for that? You know, and I remember the interview with Van Gaal because somebody posted it quite recently, saying like, you know, if you pull someone's hair, it's going to hurt. You know, he even said something like, the only place where that's really acceptable is inside a masochism, which I thought was a good Louis van Gaal sort of like weird comment to come out with. But it's been, it has happened before and the rules haven't been looked at and changed to make sure it doesn't happen again. And I agree with yeah. Trev. I mean, all because it isn't in the book, you know, specifically, does that mean then that you can run out and start giving a player a Chinese burn and then go... Chinese burns on in the book, so you can't you can't do me for that. Poking yeah, someone true. in poking someone in the eye with your index finger is that literally specific? You know, it it should be covered by violent conduct. Why are you pulling someone's hair, and especially in the manner? You know, it doesn't even really matter whether it's hard or or, or not. You shouldn't be doing it. 
Well, in terms of the consistency, though, hang on one second. The, the one thing I find most most interesting about this, the people who are arguing the case most strongly, the, the most follically challenged individuals on the po- podcast, they're the ones who are um, <laughs> talking about it much more. Listen, I'm also conscious of time as well, because Trev's got uh, a dog that's going to go nuts in about four minutes because i got the stop clock on it. We've got the Bournemouth game coming up on... Um, on Saturday at five thirty, let's just go around the the, the 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 table and see what your score predictions are and who you think your main threat is. Trevor, starting with you, just in case Nancy starts. Uh, clean sheet for the Arsenal, and we score at least three goals. Tony, an away win. Uh, not going to expand any more than that. Mate, I'm flying to Turkey. I'm not even watching the game. So it's an Arsenal win. When I touch down in Antalya, and I expect uh, my phone to be pinging as an Arsenal plastic, win. Plastic. <laughs> plastic. Yeah. Um, Stan, I might get a bit of common sense out of you. Go on then. I think we might get. I think we might get more goals than in the last game. I think because of the opposition and the feel-good factor and what I'm seeing on the pitch. I mean, Gabriel Jesus could have got a couple more goals in that in that last game. So. This could be like maybe a four or five one, something like that. Yeah, my, my fear is that if we concede early on, um, Bournemouth are on a little bit of a high. They've had two good results uh, in their opening in opening fixtures. Have they? Um, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, didn't they draw against Liverpool? And, they beat Villa uh, to start uh, the season and then lost at the yeah. weekend. Okay, I thought they. I thought they got a, a win and a draw. So okay, I'm, I, okay, uh, I, I'm gonna go. 3-1 again. Uh, 3-1. 3-1. Go 4-0, Ferg. That's your, that's your one. That's your one. <laughs> um, the last couple of things I want to cover is one thing. Uh, at the stadium, um, after the game, uh, there was the brass band that came around. Uh, what, what's people's quick view on this? <laughs> Many people on um, various uh, on Twitter and so on were, were, were saying that they didn't like uh, that the brass band was in the stadium and there was some polls and votes put up on some actually quite big, um, big uh, Twitter groups. Uh, what's your view on, on, on them bringing in there? I don't mind it at all, Ferg. I don't mind it. They're not doing any harm. They're not, I, I, I don't mind listening to it. I've listened to a lot worse things at, at the Emirates. And uh, I don't mind yeah, it so much. <laughs> yeah, generally me trying to sing. Stan, um, it, it, it is a bit American, uh, sort of, you know, that adding atmosphere. I know you're in Canada, but, you know, it's all the same to us over here. Um, but uh, um, what's your view of having, having the band coming in and, and playing with the Ashburton Army afterwards? I'd rather listen to that than that song now that they play, the guy singing that song. That, I know everybody loves that song. It's not for me. I don't. I think it's it's a very Ooh. miserable song. I don't. I don't Ooh. like it. Sorry, it's my opinion. I know. I, I, I know. I know. I, I, yeah, I love I'd, it. Rather, I'd rather listen to that band. I like that. I think it's you know it's a nice sunny day. It's hard to play instruments, right? These people are like playing their instruments. They've been practicing. They want to go up there and they want to entertain the crowd. I'm all for it. Love it, Tony. Yeah, I must admit I'm very similar of opinion to Trev. Um, 
after the game, you know, come full time, I clap the players off and then I'm straight down the pub. So it doesn't affect me either way. Um, if it creates a bit more atmosphere and the clock in boys are still singing for five, ten minutes after the game, then so be it. Um, I say it's, it's not it's no skin off my nose. Guys, um, we're going to leave it there. But before we leave it there, um, I thank everybody for joining the podcast. Stan, thank you for joining us. Thank uh, you for having you me. Catch Stan on Stan underscore the man 68. Um, and you're also on the Arsenal Circle podcast. Uh, Tony, you can find loitering around block four, block five, block five, most games, normally with two or three pints in his hand and looking in the right state. Um, and... Uh, Tony, uh, Trev, what do you, go on. So, listen, just before you go into this, mate, just want to tell some people, right? You people that were calling Arteta a fool last year, you people that were calling for him and Edu to get the sack last year, you people that were saying Arsenal were rubbish under Arteta last year, we've watched you, we've watched you now, while you're now trying to get your picture taken with Edu and your picture taken with... Arteta and saying you're the greatest fans on the planet. Well, just keep it, can't blame you. Keep being the greatest fans on the planet, boys. But just remember, we're going to have one or two weeks where we're going to have a poor game, you know. And don't be calling for Arteta out again because we're all watching you. We all know who you are now. We should all be Arsenal fans back in our great football team. Yeah, we're the Arsenal. Right, I'm done now, folk. Right, this is a, a video that's done by Nacho, uh, Nacho Monreal. He's hung his Boots up. Um, hmm. I thought it was a bit of class. Has he? Yeah. What's this video? We're probably getting it done on the audio and stuff. It might get lifted off, so people are watching it live. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. And it's Monreal into the Johnson with the opening goal. And maybe Arsenal. Numbers forward, and Nacho Monreal. I think that was class, class of the player, um, and I wish him all the best in his retirement. Um, yeah, a great yeah, servant yeah. to the club. I thought he was Mr. Consistent. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Here, here. Well said, folks. 
Listen, um, we've got a few people still in the, in the chat and watching us. If you like what we do, click that subscribe button. We're almost at 700. We're trying to get to that 1,000 figure. Um, get that 1,000 figure that helps us do other bits and pieces. Uh, so if you can get there, if you like what we do, just hit the subscribe. And then you can see my ugly mush and even the even his shinier head next week if you want to. Um, guys, thank you very much. You have been watching an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans, for Arsenal fans of the Arsenal. You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an the Arsenal else. podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.